0: Conversations with friends. A hey, good evening, Let's Talk family, and tonight we have uh nice interview conversation with songwriter singer kalia black and um what's funny is that she is being interviewed by two people so she's getting uh bombarded from both angles (laughs) and um we're gonna just have a conversation because as as well as she's not only a songwriter and a singer she is king atterbury and myself's cousin so this should be interesting, you guys. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. good evening, Clea.
1: Good evening. Thank you for having me.
0: What's going on?
1: You know, just just maintaining. <laughs> okay, so
0: it. tell us about you, where you grew up at, and all that good stuff.
1: Okay, I'm Jersey girl, born and raised um, from Newark, New Jersey. I only child. Grew up in the church, you know, so I had like the classic R&B story. I grew up singing in the choir and playing in the church and things like that. So parents are ministers. And I grew up around my grandmother, who was the one that kind of exposed me to music at a young age. So she would have card games at her house. I don't know if y'all know about how they (laughs) used to do stuff like that back in the day. (laughs) She would host the card games and then she would have the music on the record player. And that's really where I got my exposure. Okay. So, and so, and then
0: from there it went. You know, rest so of you were singing around the grown folks, as we I would say, uh huh. In the, the grown, grown folks, folks' business, was, <laughs> yeah, grown folks' <laughs> business. Yeah, you know, you couldn't get in their conversation, so you had to sing your way to their to get their attention. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um. So let's talk about the voice when. Did you feel it was time that your voice had matured enough to be able to record or somebody told you, were you shocked? Explain that experience.
1: So again, starting in church, I feel like that was a good foundation because what that does is that gives you, it's almost like a practice ground and it gives you the confidence to perform and do things in front of people. So from there, I really didn't start pursuing a career until I was in college so that was like my first time in the music studio Mm -hmm. and and I actually wanted to major in music in college but my parents was like no they said no don't do that so (laughs) so the agreement was I get my degree and do everything I need to do in college and then I'll go for music and push Mm -hmm. but I kind of wish I would have started when I really wanted to which was like much earlier because who knows where I could have been but I got it, you know, but anyway, that is where it started. But I always had a love for music. I always felt like that's what I, I always had a pull, felt a pull towards music.
0: So, you know, um, what was your first song you recorded and heard your voice? Did, I need you to give us, you know, paint that picture for us. Like when you heard your voice recorded, like, mm-hmm. was it like a wow moment?
1: So I was one of those people. That I would do, um, I would record myself at home even when I was younger. So mm. I would be playing and singing music. So I always knew I could sing, but as far as in, like on a professional level in the studio, um, it was kind of surreal being in the studio. I actually wrote three songs while I was there, and I recorded mm. those three songs that one day. Uh, I'll go back and listen to it. I cringe a little bit because, you know, sometimes when you when you when you hear a lot of your earliest stuff or like even as a poet or you read some of your earlier stuff, you'd be like, oh, I could have I could have came a little better than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so but well, that was like what two, early 2000s. So but I, I've definitely grown since then. But it was definitely um, it was definitely a milestone for me.
0: So you you you're making your transition into recorded music, and now you you're learning the business. Um, huh. Huh. How, explain that. I mean, you said hmm. <laughs> explain the business. Did you did you know how cutthroat it was, or
1: you learn as you go, and that's the unfortunate part. Is a lot of people they don't realize how cutthroat it, it is until it's cutting your throat. Mm. So to speak. Oh wow. Um, and I've had some 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 doozies, some experiences, things that will make you say, you know what, I ain't gonna do this no more. Um, it's dis- it could be discouraging, you know, when especially when you there's a lot of people out there that that like to prey on younger artists or independent artists, especially now. It's like a it's a, you know it's a lot of snakes out there, but that's why you have to do your due diligence. You, you know, you you read, you rely on, you tap at people that's in the industry that, you know what I mean, like you can ask for advice. And I, I have done that. Like, I've, I have people that go to me like, hey, does this sound right? You know, um, like, for example, I had somebody hit me up in an email. Um, they said they were from uh, Epic Records or one of, the, one of the major record labels. And they said, oh, you want to come in open for the Migos? You pay me $5,000. To come open for the amigos, and then I'll fly you out um, to to perform. And when you're really hungry for something, and you really like when you dream about doing something for so long, you're, sometimes your common sense leaves you. So I, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't think like, why did this don't make sense? Why would they fly me out, pay my my hotel, pay my airfare, but then they charge me to perform? And number one, Migos is not even my audience. So if they really knew who I was, they would know that I wouldn't be a good opener for the Migos anyway. Long story short, I asked one of my um, industry friends, I'm like, does this sound right to you? I like deep down, I knew it didn't sound right, but I wanted it to be true because it's something I wanted, you know, I've been wanting to do for so long. But just things like that is what people do. And so wow. even now, I still get like st- crazy emails. I'm from this label, I'm from that label. And but no, they're not, they ain't reaching out, they're not reaching out. (laughs) PSA, nobody's reaching out to your Gmail (laughs) from a (laughs) (laughs) recollection. Just trash the emails.
0: If they want to get in touch, you don't know how to get in touch with you right there on the spot, right?
1: They'll know how to get in touch with you. So it's just little things like that that have happened that teach you lessons, and then things that I can share with somebody else to keep them from you know stumbling in the same way.
0: So now into the song that I told you caught my ear. Uh-huh. Oh, Innocent. Oh, innocent. my goodness. Yes, sir. That song, explain that song to the audience. Um, no. I believe that when they hear it, they'll think it's self-explanatory.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Because um, we do play Innocent when we when we know we done messed up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh-huh. Um, explain the, the, the writing, the thought process, and all that.
1: So Innocent. I'm just going to tell you the opening lyrics, the, the opening lyrics is, I went through your phone while you were sleeping. And so that's how the, that's how the song starts. So you can imagine, you know, that's the setup. But I feel like <laughs> Innocent is a relatable song because in relationship, no matter how secure you are or you think you are, or how good you think your relationship is, there's always sometimes like that little voice in your head is saying something right, you know, and then, there is always that tempt, sometimes that temptation to to see and check yourself to see like, you know, what are they doing? You know, when, when your trust is broken in your relationship, you know, you're liable to start going through phones, start going through DMs. And so I feel like a lot of people have been there. They may not admit it, but a lot of people have been there. And I feel like that song is doing well because of that, because people can identify with that scenario. Whether you're on the the guilt the the guilty side or the side of the person that's been you know uh offended so to speak either way you can relate
0: so let me ask you in in the business who um who have you worked with i know you we talked about tank and i know that was how was that experience working with tank
1: um so Tank and Mario, they were gracious enough to, to be hosts for mixtapes. And so I submitted to be a part of that. And I was selected as well for that. So that was a great experience. And that was um, an honor because Tank, you know, it's R&B, Mr. R&B right there. But um, other than that, I did get a placement for songwriting on a a series. I'm not, not sure if you're, you're aware of the it's called Fifth Ward. It was featuring Maya, singer Maya, Carl mm. Anthony Payne from Martin. And one of my songs actually got placed in that, so that was cool.
2: Congratulations. Thank you.
1: Um, I've been on Hot 97, a Hot 97 mixtape. Um, right now, I'm a part of a collective called Bad Kids. And That collective is headed up by what, nine-time Grammy winner right now, Malik Youssef. Uh, Malik Youssef was an integral part in Kanye's Donda. So I am currently working with his collective right now.
0: Have you uh, we're doing all this in the business, Mm -hmm. meeting people. Have you had a a fan moment or like, yo, I gotta stay business-wise, I gotta be, you know, I ain't nobody's fan. I gotta, you know.
1: I have I have a couple <laughs> I have a couple of fan <laughs> moments, <laughs> but the thing is, like, I you gotta you fan out, but you fan out inside because you can't you can't fan out on the outside because then like you you're liable to get the strong arm like nah you, can, you can't be over here. But I will say I love Smokey Robinson. When I say I love Smokey Robinson, I love Smokey Robinson to the point where I've been to like three or four of his shows. And I went so far as to have a t-shirt made that says, I want to sing with Smokey. And my crazy behind during the concert is standing up for most of the show. <laughs> <laughs> hoping, hoping that he can see my shirt. Like he looked at, I know he saw it. I know he saw he looked at me a couple of times, but you know, that it, it didn't work out, not yet. But I'm praying. Y'all, y'all put some energy out for me that I can meet Smokey. Oh, what's, what's your favorite? Smo- what's
2: your favorite Smokey song?
1: <laughs> Ooh, baby, baby.
0: Mm. So, he That's- so so out of all the um artists that are living, he's the one. He
1: he is the one that i admire Smokey number one for his songwriting. He we know he was Motown Records for uh during the early years. Secondly, Smokey's tone is so unique and it's almost like. It's poignant, like it's soft, but it kind of—it's like that particular song that I named. It's like you can feel the pain in his singing. So, like, I really connect with artists like that, where I can—like, I like to feel stuff when I'm hearing. Like, I don't like just like people to just be singing just for the sake of it. Like,
0: I want to be moved. Yeah, I I noticed that um, you got some Motown uh spirit in you. You covered Aretha Franklin's song. Uh huh. How That's was a, that? Was that a challenge a, or that was something you really wanted to do?
1: Which one you're talking about? Ain't No Way? Yes. There's a story behind that. So my godfather, um, he he was the one that kind of pushed me as far as when he found out I had a voice. He was the one that was taking me all up and down in New York to the record labels, handing out them Back when you would go to the label and hand out demos, just so they can probably <laughs> throw it in the garbage. Uh, <laughs> he had me walking up and down the streets of Manhattan. He went with me to my. I went to audition for American Idol. He was sitting there with me during my audition, mm. and I'm not gonna look. I ain't gonna cry. He passed away, um, like four or four years ago, but that song. He said, okay, you need to learn this song. And I must have sang that song in his living room like five or six times straight until I got it. And like, just just to kind of like prepare if I was to sing in front of like for audition, like you need to get that song down pat. So now because he he r- ran me to death with that song, now the song is easy to sing. And we you know it's a difficult song, but for me, like it's a... um. It's a comfortable song to sing, but it has kind of like a, a a meaning behind it for me. It's a little, it's kind of bitter, a bittersweet song because I had those memories when I do sing it. Uh, yeah, but yeah.
0: I, I, yeah, I thought it was interesting when I looked and I seen that you covered her song. I'm like, you know, um, for the fan of myself, I think you took on about some big shoes there. Like, yeah, I'm like, wow. A reason. You know, you usually, when to when to "Quote unquote younger artist mm-hmm. takes on somebody's song. You'll think maybe they might do a Whitney Houston. That's you know. still
1: my girl.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or they might do. They, or they might do. Like a Mariah, Beyonce, Beyonce Ma- Jennifer Mariah Huggins. Carey. I, I very rarely hear somebody take on a heavyweight um, like Aretha Franklin, and I think that that's that's good that you um he put you to the challenge and he really like I think he foreseen like. If I can get her to get this mm-hmm. song, it would be a big hurdle. Like she'll no have no problem doing nobody else's cover if she chooses to.
1: Because when you think about it, Aretha is like the mark that the other ladies that you mentioned look up to as well. You know, it was Aretha was it. She was the Queen of Souls. So um I feel like if you can not not say massive, but if you can be comfortable singing a song from somebody like that, then like you know, everybody else, not taking nothing away from anybody else
0: because Whitney, you know, Whitney's the goat. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you, um because you brought up Aretha, well, I you know, we talked about Aretha and mm-hmm. then with, with Whitney all three of you guys got the gospel background right do you think that that helps when you choose to start trying start singing RB yes I mm-hmm.
1: I think gospel music is all about again what moves you what moves your spirit and when you're singing gospel you learn how to connect with the lyrics of the song. That you're trying, that you're delivering, right? Because the goal in gospel is to, uh, to pretty much in essence bless whoever's listening to you, and Mm to positively affect whoever's listening to you. So the ability to connect with music that you're singing, that is not something that you can teach, really. You know what I mean? That's something I feel like that you just you learn by doing and by practice. Um, And so I feel like. Having that gospel background helps me to carry, like, that into when I'm singing, especially when I'm singing live R&B. Uh, singing mm. live R&B and singing in the studio is two different things. Because mm. now when you're live, the audience is looking at you like, all right, impress me. Like, what you going to do? And there's no auto-tune when you're live. Well, sometimes, <laughs> I guess, depend I guess the technology is still available. But <laughs> there's no auto-tune, really, when you're live. You got to just, just, either you do or you don't. So... I think the church is a good training ground for I want five.
0: You gave me Smokey, so it's gonna be six. I need five. Five Five, what? five artists uh-huh. that you would wanna work. Not exclude nobody else. Anybody else see the interview we ain't saying she don't want to sing with you or you know, don't have the <laughs> opportunity to work with you. But give me five artists that you would be like, if I get them in the studio, I think we can make some magic happen. Okay.
1: So, let's say Smokey. I love Sade. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name some um, recent artists as well. So, Smokey, Sade. I like Snow. Um, uh, there's a newer... Um, uh, he's a songwriter, but he's he's newer as far as as an artist goes. Uh, Tone Stiff. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of him. Um, on Like even uh um, I'm gonna
0: ask you about what you what do you look like about Giveon?
1: His tone like his tone is so like it catches you right from the beginning. It's so unique. So I think Givion's tone is what does it for me.
0: You know what's funny is that when you you know I from a from a fan perspective and somebody that doesn't sing, when I hear him I know it's him. Mm-hmm. Without music you could be like, well that's him. That's yep, him. Because exactly. like you said, he has a he has a very unique voice and like you said, he, he touches the audience. Yep. I can imagine him live. Live <laughs> with him would probably be like awesome.
1: Right. Amazing. Okay, I
0: cut you off. I was rude, so
1: no, no, it's good. You good. Um, you kind of bought me some time, but... <laughs> yeah. but with Ari Lennox, I like her as well. Um I think I think that would be my list. And I yeah, I think that's my list. So
0: you do so you do the cross so you got calls doing hypotheticals. You got calls as a crossover to a rapper. You got to sing the hook on the rapper's song. Name the rapper. Give me three rappers. It would have been DMX. <laughs> okay. It would have been DMX number 1.
1: <laughs> um Ludacris because Ludacris I feel like people sleep on Ludacris. He makes a lot of like dope records, especially like as a feature artist. It seems like he always makes the record, even more so than the main artist. So him is him definitely maybe like a Andre Three Thousand, you know. Uh,
2: the
0: Top five.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Okay. So Dmx, that was like I was hurt, man. I was hurt with that one, but I would have definitely loved to work with him.
0: Let me ask you and I you know, I don't I I don't know if this question would be um appropriate asking a singer and songwriter. Uh-huh. What do you enjoy more? Writing or singing? Singing. Really?
1: Singing. And I was I said it fast, right? Because <laughs> with songwriting, sometimes there's a lot of pressure with songwriting. Okay. Um, because like for my song Innocent, that song is done well, right? So now I'm challenged with making a song that's comparable to that or better than that. And then there's also the frustrating frustration sometimes with songwriting, because you sometimes you get a block. Sometimes the words just like you you know what you want to say, you know, but sometimes it just doesn't come to you freely. And it takes time. Mm. Like You can be writing a song for months because as a songwriter I refuse to just write um no offense to Cameron but you know like Cameron use like ABC one two three I'm not writing a song I'm not writing a song like that so I really I really want it to have some, I want it to mean something you know yeah yeah.
0: so you gotta that's you,
1: much you, frustration
0: as, 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 as a songwriter I, I could kind of identify with dealing with King and the poets is you got to be feeling it's a vibe
2: mm-hmm. and then
0: to put it on paper and then to actually, actually you know, you just can't do it for nothing. Right. Okay.
1: You got to be some kind of inspiration there. You got to pull from an experience. You got to pull. Like for me, um, not I don't want to get too heavy, but after George Floyd was murdered, I'm not sure if you had a chance to listen to my song, Tired, but I wrote that song after Floyd was murdered. I did,
0: after George Floyd.
1: Yeah, and then as I'm writing the song, I'm crying because Mm. it was like I was feeling so many things at that time that I couldn't um, verbalize, and I couldn't put it into words. But as I was writing it down, I was like, oh, this is what I'm feeling. You know, especially being a mother of two black boys, it really kind of was like, it was a different kind of feel for me, you know? You
0: know, it's, it's funny that you brought that up because, like, a friend of mine, he says to me, the difference between that murder and what we know that goes on all the time, yeah, we're accustomed to it, but we actually saw it. Mm. The world was at a standstill, and we saw it. So that's why its effects have had such a big impact, not only just on us, but the world in general. and um, Right. You know, it's it's interesting because you ask yourself, has it really changed, um, or hasn't it changed? Some of us that you know, we from the culture, so to us, it's like um, another day at the office, and you know,
1: right. For, it, I for, feel like it was a catalyst for some conversations to to begin happening, um, yeah. but then it was also one of those things where. Every company has something to say, or every every business had a statement to make. You know, everybody's posting in the black square. So it's like, how much of it was for show, and just to say you were doing it, and how much of it is really trying, like someone trying to affect change and someone trying to make things. Uh, yeah,
0: and it definitely it definitely resonated with a lot of um, our women to um, unfortunately to hear him.
2: Call his uh, mother fighting for
0: his life and calling for his mother. Right. That was like it was like a real wake-up call for all of us and um you know shout out to his family you know and um mm-hmm. it's an interesting situation something else I wanted to ask you
2: I have a question
0: yes sir <laughs>
2: <laughs> you knew it was coming I was waiting for <laughs> um, you <laughs> what which do you feel is a better vibe when you give into an audience Singing with the music in a live performance or a (sighs) cappella?
1: I will say, what is not a better vibe is singing with a backing track. That's one we're gonna like singing live with a backing track. No, (laughs) singing with there's something about singing with music, I feel Mm. like it's you. As a singer, um, ex- expressing and connecting, right. But then mm-hmm. you also have the musicians who are just as passionate about their instruments, who are also Good. expressing through through their instrument, right. Mm-hmm. And then the both of you doing the same thing at the same time, but mm-hmm. in different ways. That yeah. energy with the live band is crazy. Yeah, there is sometimes where like some songs would call for like a break in music, and it's more effective to to kind of do an acapella, but, like, there's something about that energy matching singer with live band.
2: Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I have a question on top of that one. Now that yeah. you mentioned that, <clears throat> the instrumental versus the live band. Right. Like, which do you feel more comfortable with?
1: The live band. The li- And the thing is, the instrumental is kind of, um, when you're singing with, like, a backing track, you yeah. kind of limited to you don't have much freedom in what you can do because it's the track the track can't move and change keys with you and break (laughs) when you need it to break it's gonna leave you (laughs) if you don't keep up you know you gotta stick with how the track is moving so i feel like the audience doesn't get um the best representation of what you can do maybe when you have an instrumental,
0: yeah You you ever sing with a live band and they be terrible (laughs)
1: Uh, okay so I will say no not not as a performing are like performing R&B right but sometimes like growing up in a church you know not everybody is a born musician (laughs) so and but again people are they're learning so there's sometimes it gets a little iffy but um I would say the musicians that I work with have been great. Like I I would not I would rather not sing if I had to sing behind somebody that that is not really great at that, their instrument. Like I can play the piano, right? But I know I'm a better singer than a piano player. So I am never going to go out into the world, talking about I'm going to play piano for myself and sing like I'm Alicia Keys. I'm not Alicia Keys. <laughs> That's not my calling. You know, I can play and tinker around and do things like that, but I'm not on the caliber where I feel like I'm going to be backing somebody in the band. So I know my limitations.
0: But um, You sound good, A two-fold, though. A two-fold mm-hmm. question. Yeah. You walked in the spot, you tore
2: it down. Uh-huh. You was
0: in your bag this night. Your voice was right. Your your energy was right, but the audience didn't respond like you tore it down. Have you had that experience?
1: Oh, that's that's all. That's people. I've learned early on. Number one, key key to performing: don't look at people's faces, because if you look at people's faces when you're performing, their face will tell you you suck. Their face will tell you you're trash. Go home. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just people, you know. They're in their phones. They're talking. They're they're not attentive. But then you, you have people that do respond. So I learned to do my part. I learned to connect with the song, deliver the song, and whoever in the audience that I'm supposed to touch at that particular night or that particular moment, that's fine. Then you, you, you
0: to then you got the other fold to the question. What's up? You're preoccupied. You didn't book this spot. You want to go, but you ain't really feeling it. You ain't got no energy. You got something going on in your head. You somewhere else, and you feel like you ain't give it your all, but the audience loved you. Explain that experience.
1: I think that experience more so is when you when you're feeling. Not sometimes not as confident in what you what your performance was. Like you said, there's always somebody or something and someone in the audience, they connect with it. Um, As a performer, you're never going to be 100 percent all the time. You know, you're going to. And I feel like that's it's important to understand that. That you're going to have some bad nights, you know, you may slip up and, and give an off note. But the key is to, if I, if for example, I vocally, I didn't deliver like I, I would have expected to, but the key is, the audience, they hear, they can hear that I'm sure. But when they see that you are really feeling it, when you're really like into the music, you're delivering, you putting your heart into it, they still connect, you know, as long as you, you push through it. And you don't stop. You don't stop when you feel like, "Oh, I messed up." You know, you don't stop in the middle of a song and do nothing crazy like that. You just keep going. <laughs> just keep going.
0: Thing about love. Uh huh. Talk to us. Thing about love. <clears throat>
1: you don't know a thing <laughs> about love. That's the song. Um. My I write from experience a lot of times. <laughs> And so that song is basically saying like you're claiming that you love me. You are like it's lip service, right? But we all know it's action. So if you're saying you love somebody, but your actions are showing that you're really not in a place yourself to really understand what that, that word means or what that word entails and the responsibility of that word. Mm-hmm. So you like you can say you love somebody all you want, but if your actions is not lining up, then you might as well just not say nothing, mm. you know. So that's
0: That's that. Let me let me ask you: Do you um, it's been a lot of a lot of conversation? I happen to be a fan of all genres of music. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people feel like R and B is over.
1: <laughs> that's the question of the well, the last decade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel it's not over, right? I feel that the spotlight of R and B, the 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 I'll say the mainstream spotlight, is not on the people that are actually still making what you consider R and B. The radio is not playing the people that's really like making R. They play a few, but a lot of the songs on the radio, of course, sound kind of the same so like there's artists out there that are really like legitimate r&b artists but they're not getting the same they're not getting the shine because that's not the trend that's not what's hot right now so everybody's following the trend so the radio stations are only going to play the track stuff or whatever sounds popular you know yes
0: yeah, so- it's, it's it's crazy because uh like you said terrestrial radio is 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 changed mm-hmm. a lot of stuff with the streaming with um spotify youtube everything is different um even 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 in an effective i believe r&b more than any other genre because um r&b is cultural Mm. um it i would i would think that i believe that r&b it speaks more to our culture than hip-hop and the reason why i would say that is because nowadays anybody could be a rapper Everybody can't be an R and B artist, um,
2: right?
0: And then hip hop
1: is bleeding into R and B now. It's like yes, kind of merging.
0: Yes. And you know, well. in, in in the New York New York area, once BLS left, it was like, what has happened? Right.
1: I still listen to BLS. Yeah. You mean Kiss? You mean Kiss FM? Yeah,
0: kiss Kiss left. Yeah, oh, kiss, kiss FM left. is
1: gone. My bad.
0: I've been gone I've been gone from the area for so long I forgot what's <laughs> left but
2: it's, all right. you know, it's
0: it's amazing because you know we grew up where we heard Kiss 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 everything was that that logo that logo yeah. and, and so many of the local artists definitely that New Jersey area you know New Jersey is very rich when it comes to R&B artists yeah um and it's like they have to go down south to get noticed now or go out west to get noticed. It's like, like Atlanta, the New York area kind of got now. yeah oversaturated with um artists, and you got to skip town to get no- get noticed.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah,
1: definitely, definitely.
2: I have a question. Yes, that song is so hot, right? And it's dope, innocent. You think there'll be a response to it? Mm.
1: Like coming from uh, the male perspective.
2: Yeah,
1: I welcome it. Like anybody out there got a response that like they got something to say, please. I would love that. I would,
2: I would love a response.
1: I want to see what y'all got to say.
2: Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> okay. Well, stay tuned. I'm gonna write a poem to it. uh Oh, uh oh, You know what the title of the song is gonna be? Guilty.
1: <laughs> Guilty is sick. <laughs>
2: Well, Kalia, um, you know, we
0: really appreciate your time today. And, um, you know, if is it anything else that you want to leave us with?
1: Um, I'm coming out with new music soon. So please be on the lookout for that. Um, I'm on social media. I put my, my handle there, my Instagram handle. Um, my Facebook handle is at Kalia Black, but with the number one afterwards. Um, so please follow me, engage, check out my song, Innocent, that that we're talking about, you know, check it out. <laughs> yeah, Appreciate you. Definitely keep also, up with
2: uh, me. you think there's any way you can give uh, the audience a little taste of what you <laughs> That have? was the question. That was the question too, King.
1: I knew that was coming. I was ready. I'm ready.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um
1: Okay. And I am telling you, I'm not going. You're the best man I've ever known. There's no way I could ever go. Darling, there's no way. No, 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 no way. I'm living without you. I'm not living without you i don't wanna be free i'm staying i'm staying and you and you you're gonna love me love me love
2: Thank you, cuz. That was beautiful. Thank you.
1: Woo. Smiling. smiling.
0: (laughs) Appreciate you. Thanks for joining the show. Appreciate it. There's no one else. There's (laughs) there's nothing else to say after that. Just stay on, okay? Don't don't hang up.
1: I got you. I'm here.
0: With that, close the show. Appreciate everybody in the chat joining us. For anybody in the rebroadcast, don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Check out Kalia Black on all social media handles and um be looking forward to some new music coming out shortly.
2: Thank you. The Poetry Corner